Happy four years, Dominion. Um, it's funny because the number four in the Hebrew uh, numeric is literally the same word as door. Woo. And so I believe God's about to open a door in this year for this ministry. Do you hear what I'm saying? I believe that God has set before us a great and exceeding door for this ministry. I believe that we are consistently a ministry of transition. And I believe that eyes have not seen nor have ears heard what God has prepared for this house because we love him, we are committed to him, and we are called by his name. And so... You know, to, uh, this weekend, Friday specifically, was Dominion's birthday, and man, I, I'll be honest with you, it's like, just, I'm overcome this weekend with the emotion of the faithfulness of God, and there, as I said in the video, there's one underlining tone, one undeniable fact, and that is that God has been faithful. Even when Kyle hasn't been faithful, even when you haven't been faithful, God has remained faithful, and he is so good, and he is so good to us. Before I get into my message, like I said, a couple of housekeeping things I want to talk about. You know, four years of the planning of Dominion Church, but it is crazy. It is, it is, it is just remarkable. I'll be honest with you. We had a guest uh, recently in service. He came and um, it, part of a mega ministry, over 20,000 member church. He came and wanted to uh, be a part of what God's doing here. And he told me, and, and I've spoken to him a couple times since then. He said, he said, Apostle, listen to me. He said, what you guys have. He said, the spirit. He said, there's no question that that house is a house of prayer. He said, the anointing. He said, the worship. He said, the proclamation of the word that's going forth. He said, I've been in ministries. He was the leader of Joyce Meyer Ministries. Now he's a part of Apostle Ron Carpenter's ministry. He said, I've been in ministries that have exploded. And he said, and I'm telling you, he said, you guys are checking all the boxes for a move of God in the region. I came to tell somebody this morning, you got to recognize what you're a part of. He said, man, it was so healthy. He said, a lot of times we go into ministries, and he said, it's because they're on the decline. He said, your house is on the incline. And he said, it was refreshing to my spirit to come in and see what God is doing. And so I'm greatly encouraged. But, you know, I realize, too, that there's people in this house that maybe this is your first Sunday. But I also realize that there are people in this house that this is your 700th Sunday. And I also recognize that this ministry would not be able to be what it is today without the power of partnership. And I am so thankful for people, man, woo, people that believe in what God is doing here and have entrusted myself and leadership team to lead the move of God that is happening. And I just want to affirm and reaffirm to you that we would not be able to do what we do without your, without your partnership and your prayer. So give yourself a round of applause and appreciation. You know, it's, it's crazy to me, man. It's crazy. Uh, next Sunday is the Latin Festival because Iglesia Dominion is launching. Come on, man. Come on. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe. My God, look at what God's doing. You know, we, we don't want to be a multicolor ministry. Hear me. Hold on. I'm, I'm coming for some throats this morning. You know, some churches pride themselves on the fact that uh, they call themselves multicultural, but the truth is, is they multicolored. I ain't trying to just be a box of crayons. I want to know the flavor and the smell of those in Y'all ain't hearing me. There's a difference of multicolor and multicultural. I believe the culture of the kingdom is the beauty of every culture interwoven together in a move of God that's got some yellow, some black, some white, some red, and it looks real pretty. And so this coming weekend, we're launching Iglesia Dominion. And man, it's exciting to me. Pastor Fernando Rainwater is heading that up. And, and we just believe God is going to move. But they're having an interest meeting today for people directly after service. So you can get in. You're like, bro, I can't speak Spanish. Neither can I. As Sister Rivera, she's been trying to train me for the last three months. And sometimes I've answered in French. <laughs> she's praying for me. I do speak multiple languages, though. English and spirit. That's the two languages I can speak. 
But so I look at everything God's doing, and then tonight, tonight at 5.30, we have our second interest meeting in Sumter, and the power of God is exploding in Sumter. People are being encountered. People are being reached, man. A city is growing. We believe that God has marked that city for, a, for the next move of God. We believe this campus will be a, a brother campus of, of, of Darlington. I want to reestate my heart. I'm not going nowhere. As the apostolic call is on my life, God told me years ago, he said, I've called you to plant biblical five-fold ministries, ministries that do not operate in a one-man show mentality, but the p- concept of synergy is in the house, that many hands make light work, and if one can put a 1,000 to flight, they'll, come on, two can do 10,000. What can five do? Come on. And so we're, we're doing that, and eventually my heart is to raise up a spiritual son, spiritual daughter, and send them out and let them oversee it. But I want you to know Sumter ain't it. There's more that are coming, and Darlington, and this building will be the epic center of, of the house. It will be an apostolic training center where pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers can come, and they can receive instruction. There's things that are happening in the ministry that, that we're getting ready to reach out in the region, and we're going to begin to partner with other churches in the area that are struggling because we believe God has marked us to be key carriers in this region and we will not sit by idle but we will be helpers to those that are in need. There's a lot happening. There's a lot transitioning. What am I telling you? I I never desired just to plant another church. 396 churches in Darlington County. Darlington didn't need another church, but it needed a people that were marked by the glory of God. It needed a people that were hungry for a move of God. It needed a people that some from the gutter, some from the palace, but that would come together equally to push upon the move of God to see lives changed. That's who we are. That's who we are. And you know, in the, in the midst of all of this, we have the development of a building that will happen. I said it will happen. Four and a half million dollars will happen. And this is my last housekeeping point that I want to talk about because, you know, a couple months ago, there was a rumor on Facebook that Chick-fil-A was coming to Hartsville. And I found out it was just for all you chicken-loving people. They were just teasing you. It wasn't coming to Hartsville. But people got really excited. Woo, hold on. Because Chick-fil-A was coming to Hartsville. People got really excited and they started asking. They said, I wonder where the building's going to be. And they got really excited. I even saw some people say, man, listen, I'm a financial backer. If y'all need help, I'll help support it because I want to see Chick-fil-A in Hartsville. Why is it that we can get excited over every building in the world? But when God desires to do something, we throw up, like, it's not in a building, it's in a people. You're exactly right, but guess what? When God begins to grow that thing, people need a place to gather, and God desires for those people to have a building. I'm sick and tired of being more excited about chicken than we are the Holy Ghost. I'm saying, God, give us the region. Give us the keys to the building. Open the door, God. Open the door. And so partnership comes alive in moments like this. This is where we sow and throw. Say that with me this morning. Sow and throw. Some of y'all just need to scatter some seeds. Some of y'all just need to empty your pockets and be like, I believe in it. I'm cashing out retirement. Here's a tithe on my retirement. Come on. Don't think if you play the lottery and win that we will not collect the tithe. We will absolutely take the tithe and use it for the storehouse. Play that mega million if you want to, but when you win, don't forget what's been feeding your soul. And every preacher that's watching me that says you wouldn't take it, you're a liar and you need to repent because you would. You better believe that if the crows need to feed me, I'll take what the crows carrying. Come on, somebody. Amen. Stand with me for the reverence of reading God's word. Hallelujah. Do you feel them in this place, man? I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs 4 and 23. We are continuing in our selfie series, and this has been the text that I have used over the last couple weeks as we've begun to indulge in the heart of a man. 
I want everybody to read this with me this morning on the count of three. One, two, three. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you're in this place, you're in this house. God, you are amongst these people. And Father, as we gather around your word today, God, we thank you that your word is a sword that will lay hold to the layers of a heart, some hard, some soft, some, God, with, with, with bitterness and even blackness of deceit, God. Lord, we thank you that your word will slice open our heart today, God, that you will be able to deal with the issues that, that flow so freely from our lives. God, we want you to fix our issues, but God, we know it has to start in our heart. So come, Lord Jesus, not just in and through your word, but come into our heart and perform heart surgery today. God, that we may hear a thing, we may see a thing, and then we may become a thing. God, we thank you that you are in madly in love with every person under the sound of my voice that's here today or watching live or in other nations. You are madly in love with them, and God, you desire to fix their heart, for in doing so, you will fix their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Get your phones out real quick before you seated, you got all pretty, you got, you got all dressed up, get your phones out, take a selfie, check in at Dominion Church, you can hashtag the message today, I'm preaching to you on heart attack, turn to two people and say heart attack, heart attack, come on, say it, check in, take a selfie, hallelujah, after you take your selfie, you may be seated in the house of God, hallelujah, <clears throat> over the last several weeks, We've been in this series called Selfie. It is a, it's a message of fruit from my sabbatical that God began to deal with me that we're really good at dressing up the outside, but on the inside, we're falling apart. God is sick of our smiles and yet broken hearts. And he's saying, if you're going to smile, I'm going to make sure you smile for real, that it's an overflow of the joy in your heart, that if you're going to laugh, it ain't going to be no more fake laughing. He said, I'm done with people saying I'm good when they're really not good. See, God cares so much about us that he will, he will stop. He'll pump the brakes to rescue us where we are. Because there are people right now under the sound of my voice, and the truth is, is you are on a crash course of destruction. And here's the problem. The problem is, it was never your problem, but because of other people's problems, those problems became yours and began to distract you and detract you from the plan and the purpose that God had you from. Things have gotten in your heart, and they have seized the move and the oil of the Spirit of God that was designed to flow so freely in your life. So over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the head and the mind that as a man thinks, so is he. And we understand that everything in this life, everything comes out head first. And if we're gonna, you know, the way our head goes, so goes our body. And, and then we move. 16 inches down and now we are focused on the heart. It's been said that man will miss heaven by 16 inches. That's the distance between your head and your heart. See, a lot of people got a knowledge of God, but they don't have a love for God. He said, he said, with their lips, they offer me lip service, but their hearts are far from me. See, there's a distance between the lips and the heart. And God said, God says, many people are missing me by 16 inches. A lot of us can quote scripture. We can talk about scripture. But when it comes down to it, what's flowing out of our life is bitterness. What's flowing out of our, my God, what's flowing out of our life is jealousy. What's flowing out of our life is deceit. What's flowing out of our life is envy. What's flowing out of our life is greed. What's flowing... See, when, when, then we find that the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And while we may have a knowledge of God, we don't have a love for God. And he's in our head and he's not in our heart. And our lives are reflecting it. And so God is desiring to perform heart surgery on this church, on these people. Because he desires that we be healthy in our hearts. You know, Proverbs 4 and 23 says, above all else. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. You know, I wonder what we're so busy guarding that has caused us to neglect what we really should be guarding. I think a lot of us are too busy guarding 
our perceptions of how people perceive us. Do you hear what I'm saying? I believe a lot of us are guarding, you know, our, our relationships. And we, we don't want, you know, I don't want to talk to that person. No, I don't want to be a part of that crew. And we're guarding, we're guarding, we're guarding all this stuff. But the, the, but the word is clear. Guard your heart above everything else. When is the last time that you prayed a prayer that said, God, guard my heart. Set your angels on the walls of my heart that you may protect me, that you may... That you may consume my heart, God. Because the word of God is clear. Every issue in our life is flowing from our heart. Many times we can't submit to leadership. And the reason why is not because we have a submitting problem. It's because we have a heart problem. Do you hear what I'm saying? A lot of us don't tithe. And the reason why we don't tithe, it ain't that we got money troubles. We got heart troubles. The Bible said for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. See, and the reason why maybe some of us begrudgingly uh, don't want to give and begrudgingly don't want to serve. Listen to me, it's not that you can't, it's not that you're not good enough. It's that we've been told some point in our life and it has put a hardness in our heart that has hindered us from being able to do what God's called us to do. And now we are walking through life with that filter and when they ask us to serve, we say, oh, I can't. Why can't you? Well, I got this wrong in my life. I got this wrong in my life. I got... And I came to tell somebody, if you just allow God to fix your heart, everything that begins to flow from it would be good guard your heart see I've found in my life that every real issue stems back to a previous trauma before I go into detail because I'm going to be very raw be very real, very transparent this morning I want to put a disclaimer Especially even maybe to my parents, I know they watch service, but there's things I went through as a kid. Can I tell you a lot of what some of y'all may have is daddy issues? One of the most powerful things I ever did in my life, I was in a conference. Uh, matter of fact, with Apostle Ron Carpenter in California, we were, Jamie and I were on their, their marriage retreat. And in the middle of the conference, Apostle Ron did something called letters to dad. And I had to write a letter to my dad. My dad never saw that letter. But it was things that I realized in my life that were wrong with me. Because you'll never understand the significance of a father. Some of you, listen to me, some of you are dealing with issues in your heart because you didn't have no daddy. That the picture that you have of daddy was him walking out when you were five years old. The picture that you got of daddy was the different men that mama would bring home every other weekend. Come on, somebody. I got to be real because there's people under the sound of my voice and you're hurting. And God wants to heal the hurt in your heart because you got issues in your life. And the only way he can fix it is you got to let him in your heart. And it was in that moment that I wrote a letter to my father. And I addressed and I prayed and I asked God to reveal things in my heart. And you know, one of the, I, I would say, one of the most significant things that happened that I realized, and I didn't even know it was traumatizing to me until years later. But when I was 17 years old, I was getting ready to go into the military. And I was standing in my living room, and my daddy looked at me, and he said, Son, do you trust me? I said, Yeah, I trust you. By the way, I never went in the military. I got disqualified for flat-footedness. That was all a plan of God, because God knows if I would have went in the military, I probably wouldn't be in the ministry. Who gets disqualified for flat-footedness? Anyways, God, God, God's like, Pee. I'm standing in my living room, and my dad looks at me and says, son, do you trust me? And I'm like, yeah, I trust you. And he slaps me across the face. And he said, do you trust me? I said, yeah, dad, I trust you. And he slaps me across the face, and he says, you don't ever trust anyone. And he said, do you trust me? And I began to cry. I said, yeah, Dad, I trust you. And he slapped me across the face again. And he said, you don't ever trust anyone. And it was in that moment that I realized that I came into agreement with something in the spiritual realm that would begin to deteriorate trust in every avenue of my life. 
See, the enemy attacked my heart knowing that there was a call of leadership on my life. And then I would have trust issues with leadership. He knew that I would have a wife and three kids. And he said, I got to breach his trust so his marriage can be unstable at times. He said, I got to breach his trust so that even his employees, because I'm going to raise them up as a leader in the secular arena. I got to breach his trust. I got to attack his heart because then I'll cause every issue in life. He'll have issues with leadership. He'll have issues with his marriage. He'll have issues in the business. Come on, somebody. He said, I got to attack his heart. And there's people under the sound of my voice and some of you have went through similar traumas. You've got issues in your life and you don't even know where they're coming from. But what I came to tell you is the enemy will attack your heart knowing that every issue in your life will flow from it. I can remember that I wrestled with acceptance issues. And I later discovered the reason why I wrestled with acceptance issues is because being the second to the last of six kids, being the second to the last of six kids, I often held resentment against my brothers and sister and my parents. Come on, I'm being raw and I'm being real so that you can get free this morning. I held resentment issues against them because they seemed to get and I seemed to be the one that was forgotten. Oh, let me talk to some people in this house that you can identify with that. You feel like everyone else got, but you had to work for everything you got. You felt like everyone else had it given to them. But you were like the David of the family. The other brothers were brought in, but you were still out in the field and nobody even seemed to know your name. Yeah, everyone else was at the party, but nobody asked where you were. And see, what, what I began to find out as I got older in life is that I was now trying to get validation from people that I was sent to validate. Do you hear me? And now I, I was looking for acceptance from people that God was calling me to accept them before they could ever... Oh, come on, somebody. And it wasn't until that I allowed the Holy Spirit to search my heart that I began to find these issues. And then I wrestled through a life of substance abuse, drug addiction, alcoholism, parties, crazy living. You know, and there's a lot of people here. I'm not here to glorify the sin, but I am here to glorify the one that breaks the chains from them. And I found out the reason why that I had substance abuse issues is because every time there was a trigger in my life, I would now run to alcohol, I'd now run to a high, I'd now run to drugs to numb that. And hear me, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in its end it brings forth death. Let me speak to some people that you're still getting high on Friday, you're still getting high on Saturday. You're in the right house, you're in the right place because you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And I want you to know, man, listen to me, nothing's wrong with you other than the fact that you've got issues in your heart that the Holy Spirit can fix. So, so, so catch this. I, I, I laughed when I put this message together. So here I was at 17 years old. My trust was broken. I was needing affirmation, and I had a substance abuse problem. Sounds like a train wreck, right? Show them the picture. It's because I was. Look at this is after the heart attack, but this is after the resurrector of life. This is when darkness prevailed in Kyle Meyer's life, but this is when the light of God came. Do you hear what I'm saying? He will take you from darkness, drug abuse, rejection, problems with people that you trust, and he'll put his light and his life in you. Bury that. Take that off there in Jesus' name. And so the amazing part is, is the Bible says that the eyes are a lamp and you can even see in the picture there's darkness. There's evil. I, I mean, you know what? You don't smile in pictures back then, bro? Like, well, who you mad at? And now today I look and I see and 
God has went through and he has allowed me to search my heart and forgive my father. And I love my dad and I want to publicly say that, Dad, I love you. You've been an amazing dad and I'm so thankful for everything you did for our family, the way that you provided. And I don't know a harder working man than you. And I honor you publicly. And then I... I look, at, I look at even in my life with acceptance issues that I had and resentment that I held towards my brothers and, and I realized that it was all an attack, a heart attack from the enemy to harden my heart because he knew that God had marked me to be a validator in people's life. Can you imagine that if I was somebody struggling in my identity? Can you imagine that if I was somebody struggling for acceptance? What kind of leadership would I produce? Uh, see, as the father of the house it flows from the head down and so what we would have is a bunch of mistrusting needing acceptance substance abusing pastors do you hear what I'm saying but God said I gotta fix you I gotta make you whole I gotta get you healed because because the oil that's gonna flow down you is gonna flow into them but here's what I realized that there are people under the sound of my voice this morning and some of you got very similar issues you don't have problems you've got heart issues there are things that the enemy has penetrated your heart with and you're flowing through life with this filter of hurt with this filter of mistrust with this filter of pain and you've become like Jabez who said I was conceived in pain don't let me reproduce pain see that's one of the greatest things that we will have to fight against as people that walk through pain is God don't let me become a reproducer of it you know Dominion Church was planted through my most painful season of life my most painful season of life covering that was supposed to cover me tried to kill me Every area of my life, from marriage to kids to, to job, was attacked. I mean, ravishly attacked. And it was in the months and weeks leading up to the launch of Dominion Church. And I realize now, I realize now what the enemy again was trying to do was attack my heart. See, because if the heart is the issue and, and all issues flow from it in life, if he gets our heart, then he got everything that's connected to our whole life. Some of you don't have marital problems. You got heart problems. Some of you ain't got financial problems. You got heart problems. Some of y'all ain't got leadership problems. You got heart problems. Judges 13 through 15, you can read the story, an incredible story of a mighty man by the name of Samson. I love the story of Samson, but I, I don't have time. I'm not going to read you two chapters today, but Judges 13 through 15 tell the story of the birthing of a man by the name of Samson, and he is marked by God since his birth. He is called, he is appointed as a judge for Israel, and the story of it goes that this young Nazarite man by the name of Samson he was destined for greatness. He was sent by God to deliver his people, to avenge the enemies of Israel. But do you realize that he once caught 300 foxes, the Bible says. Go read Judges chapters 13 through 15. And he tied their tails together, and he lit their tails on fire, and he sent them through the fields, and they burnt the harvest fields. He's the same one that he was walking and while he was walking along, a lion jumped out and he ripped it apart with his bare hands. This is the same man that took the jawbone of a donkey and he slayed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. This is the same man that he ripped the gates off of, a, off of a city. Many will say that Samson was the strongest man ever to live. I want to challenge you with a thought. Because I think a lot of times we look at strength like muscle, right? Like we expect people to be swole like me. So, swole like me. So, <laughs> it's not how y'all see me, it's how I see me. <laughs> but I think a lot of us look at Samson like he was this swole dude, but I'm going to challenge you with something this morning. If Samson was Saul, why would Delilah have to ask him where his strength come from? See, I believe Samson, y'all got me hot on these speakers. You need to turn me down. I believe Samson was a very regular looking man. Come on, I'm going to give somebody some help and some hope this morning. 
See, if he was beefy, if his muscles were huge, Delilah wouldn't have asked him, hey, where's your strength coming from? But see, I believe he was just a ruddy little fella. I believe there wasn't much to him, but I believe that he could grab gates and snatch them off, that he could slay a, a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. What am I telling you? You can't look at the outside, bro. You got to look on the inside and God can do something so incredibly great with lives that are surrendered and submitted to him. See, many people quickly read over the parts of Samson that I believe are the most crucial parts of his life. And I want to read over, I believe, what is the most crucial part of the story of Samson. Many people will quickly assume that Samson was taken out by Delilah. He was not. Good. I'm glad that you don't like what I'm saying because I'm about to show it to you through the scriptures. Pull up Judges 14, and what I'm preaching is about to come very alive to you in the word of God. Judges 14. Samson has went through life, and he is now ready to be married. He goes and gets married. And in his marriage, we find this tale of young Samson's marriage. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. Now go on to the next scripture that I gave you all. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Now go to Judges 15, verses 1 through 3. And later on, the time of the harvest, wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. And he said, I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. And I, he said, the father says to Samson when he's standing at the door, he said, I was sure you hated her. He said that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Verse 3, watch this, watch this, watch this. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines, and I will really harm them. See, Samson wasn't killed by Delilah. Samson's destiny died in the moment of a heart attack. Now here, 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 if you go read Judges, you'll find this out. There's nothing more than Samson wanted to do than to get married. All he was longing for was to get married. He was desiring so much to find the love of his wife. He was constantly looking for her. Come on, little young single lovers. Your eyes are constantly, is he the one? Oh, is she the one? Her teeth are like perfectly lined sheep at the gate. Speaking songs of Solomon over her. He's looking for her, he's looking for her, he's looking for her, and then he finds her. And when he finds her, this is the one. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry her. Can you imagine? He goes to marry her. He marries her. The, the, the week of his marriage, there's a, there's a, there's a dissension. There's, a, there's, a, there's an offense that comes through a riddle that Samson asked them to, 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 to solve. And, and here Samson's wife gives the clue of the riddle we find. And then we find that Samson has a breach in trust with women. My God, did you catch me? And now all of a sudden they solve the riddle Samson has to give. But this, this is the part. Then Samson's so mad that he leaves in anger and, and her dad, his wife's new wife's dad, takes her and gives his wife to his best friend. Let's talk about real hurt. You looked your whole life for her, now you find out your best friend's sleeping with her. Oh, you, you didn't know Children's Church was open. You should have used it. So what we find is an incredible heart attack on the life of Samson. And now here is a man that was destined for greatness. Here is a man that was purposed by the power of God. Here was a man that was channeled through the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was coming upon him to do great exploits for the Lord. But now, Samson, who was destined for greatness, is now no longer moving forward in the healing power of the Lord, but now he's moving forward in his own indignation and a spirit of revenge. And now we find his revenge takes the hold of the heart of Samson. He heads on a path of destruction and now he's no longer doing it for the glory of God now he's doing it for the glory of himself you do understand that David 
had a beef with the Philistines. Samson had a beef with the Philistines. David did what he did in the name of the Lord. Samson did what he did in the name of revenge. David was reconciled. David was restored. David moved forward as the apple of God's eye. But Samson was brought to destruction. Samson was left under the crumbling piles and dead with his enemies when it was all over. What's the difference? Because when the enemy attacks your heart, what he's trying to do is change your posture. See, that if he can get a hold of your heart and now no longer... See, you can be in ministry and still be bitter. Woo! And now all of a sudden you're producing a bunch of bitter babies. Now all of a sudden what's flowing from you is flowing into them. And all of a sudden now they're bitter. They're jealous. They don't like that set of people because you don't like that set of people. Y'all hear what I'm saying? See, you know what? You know what clicks are in church? Clicks ain't nothing but people with heart problems that got your problems with other people with heart problems. Oh, why can't we all just get along? Your people ain't better than my people, bro. Y'all messed up. Y'all need to be on the altar. See, many know the story of Samson, but they often often tie it to the woman named Delilah. But Delilah did not get Samson killed. Samson would have never laid his head in the lap of Delilah had he dealt with his heart attack. And I wonder how many people today right now are laying their head in the lap of a Delilah. She doesn't have to be a woman. She doesn't have to be a man, but she's a place that you're finding rest for your troubles rather than casting your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. I wonder how many today under the sound of my voice are laying your head in the lap of a Delilah. You're confiding yourself in something when he is saying, will you not confide in me? I can solve your problems. I can heal your heart. I can fix your life's troubles, but you can't continue to move forward in bitterness. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. There are people right now in this room that under the sound of my voice, you are on a path of destruction and it's not because you were destined to be destroyed. It is because you have been uh, under the attack of the enemy in your heart and now there's bitterness, anger, jealousy, revenge, unbelief, and hatred that has sent you into a tailspin. My God, I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. See, many times it's not the attack on vision. It's the enemy that is attacking your dreams. It's not even the breaking of your relationship of parts that leads to one destruction. More people die spiritually from a heart attack than any other cause. And our own bitterness and hatred and revenge place a do not resuscitate in the face of the Holy Ghost. Watch this. DNR, it's called. A do not resuscitate. Paramedics, EMS, first responders, you know what I'm talking about. You can show up and, and find a, 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 a person dead and, they're li and they literally have a DNR. In other words, if you're found dead, don't resuscitate them. You can go into the hospital and people have on the clipboard, DNR, do not resuscitate. In other words, if they pass, leave them alone. I came to tell you that the Holy Ghost receives DNRs from us when we've got bitterness on our life. He cannot resuscitate bitterness. When there's jealousy. Some of you are dying spiritually because you got to do not resuscitate of hatred, anger, racism, jealousy, greed. You got a DNR in the face of the Holy Ghost and he's saying you're dying and I want to breathe life back in you but I can't until you let me deal with it. See, in the case of a heart attack, what you do first matters. It's proven that the first three minutes of a heart attack are the most crucial minutes of the outcome deter my God. I'm, I'm preaching Red Cross to y'all. It has been proven that the, most, that the most impactful time of a heart attack patient is what is done in the first three minutes. Let me take what's natural and make it spiritual. If we know that the enemy is attacking our heart, could it not be the same true? that what we do in the first three minutes often determines the outcome in our life. 
I understand that they hurt you. I understand that they talked about you. I understand that they rejected you. I understand that you felt qualified and they told you you weren't. But what, where the problem lies is not in their assumption, but when what you took into agreement and you continued to carry, and now it's not been three minutes, now it's not been three weeks, now it's been three years, and there's been a DNR of the Holy Ghost placed on your life, and God said, I want to resuscitate you. We're carrying this stuff because the enemy knows that if he gets our heart, he's got our life. He knows that if we hold on to the bitterness of rape, that if we hold on the anger from the molestation, that if we hold on to the despair of our divorce, he knows he gets our life. So it's been said that what you do in the first three minutes determines the longing lasting effects of the heart attack. But can I tell you the first step of a heart attack patient is to call 911? Oh, do you hear me? I said the first thing that you do with a heart attack patient is you call 911. What did I tell you? You got to learn to call for help. He is close to the brokenhearted. Call on me in your day of trouble. I am an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Those whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, we got a 911 dispatcher that every time we call, he picks up. Late in the midnight hour, he'll answer your call. When you're hurting, he'll answer your call. When you're down and out, he'll answer your call. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord. And we find that he's there when we call him for help. Listen to me, bud. I didn't say you got to go fix it. But at least let him fix you. God, that really hurt. That really hurt, God, when they, when they rejected me. Help me, God, to forgive them. You know, it's been said that forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you. I did this demonstration before. I'm going to do it again because it's not even in my notes. Will, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Will, move like you got the Holy Ghost this morning. Come on. Let me show you a picture. You got to trust me, son. Let me show you. Give me your other. You got to understand what unforgiveness looks like. See, Will betrayed me. Will hurt me. Will talked about me. Will left me hurting. Will said some things that really hurt. See, and what happens as I continue to walk with Will is I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get weary. And all of a sudden, Will starts to get real heavy. But I came to tell somebody this morning, forgiveness releases them so that you can, my God, I feel lighter. My God, I feel healthier. My God, I feel wholer. My God, I feel stronger. Great preaching, son. Go sit down. Give it up for Will. So we find out that we have to release. We got to let go. We got to call for help. Genesis 4 and 26 tells us that it was then that men everywhere began to call upon the Lord. The second most crucial step after encountering a heart attack patient is CPR. Somebody say CPR. CPR. Cardio, pulmonary resuscitation. But if you've taken, thank you, thank you. I, I do study. I really do. From time to time, just a little bit. But if you take a note, write down CPR. Write it down. Because I'm about to give you another acronym instead of cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And this is what I want you to write. Christ's presence resuscitates. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Pastor Jason, come here, bro. We ain't speaking no death over you, I promise you. But come here, come on, come on, come on. We're just going to say for figurative reasons, naturally, Right? Let me get a blanket. Let me, um, LT, you grab me a blanket, brother. Nah, I ain't gonna carry you, bro. Nah. Now, nah, we about to Benny Hinn you, though. We about to Benny Hinn you. I want you to lay down on your back. Lay down on your back. I'm just getting you a glory blanket so we can stay modest in the house of God, okay? This is what I need y'all to understand about Pastor Jason. Pastor Jason just suffered a heart attack. And there are steps to CPR. Woo! That CPR will resuscitate. The first thing that you have to do 
is you got to get on their level. Hey, 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 hey. Let me tell you something. There are people right now that are next to you and they're dying spiritually of a heart attack and the first thing they need is for you to get off your high horse and get on their level. Hey, hey, do you hear me? The next thing after a heart attack, after you get on their level, is they need somebody to lift the head. See, as a man thinks, so is he. So the first thing we do is lift the head, and in lifting the head, it clears the airway. Hey, 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 hey. Because something, I said something is about to breathe. Something is about to breathe. Now watch, now watch. After I'm on their level, and I lift their head. <laughs> let me go back to the, let me go back to the, the red, red cross here. I begin compressions by the interlocking of fingers by the interlocking of fingers I begin compression by the interlock God you gotta move in pastor Jason's life God you gotta open up his airway of his spirit and begin to allow him to receive the power of the Holy Ghost and then the last step you breathe. <sighs> Compressions. Breathe. Compressions. Breathe. Compressions. Breathe. Compressions. My God, I wish I had 15 people that when I fall in a heart attack, they'll give some compressions in the Holy Ghost and begin to breathe prayer, begin to breathe praise, begin to breathe celebration, adoration to the one who will resuscitate my heart. Give God some praise in this place. Come on, somebody. Give it up for Pastor Jason. Incredible preaching, sir. Incredible preaching. I'm coming to a close if musicians want to come on. Psalms 147 and 3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Stand with me all over the house. Can I tell you something? Hear me. Hear me. You can't come back from a heart attack by yourself. Hear me. You can't come back from a heart attack by yourself. Some of you, the enemy has wooed you and tricked you into isolation. But I came to tell you, your isolation is setting the door for your annihilation because there is an assassination on your life. You can't do this thing I call life alone. You were built for community. You were established in the council of many. Oh, for it is not good that man be alone. Some of you have been attacked in your heart and you have pushed yourself into a season of isolation. Some of you have been attacked in your heart and you pushed back everything that was sent to help you. And they, there were people that were coming to get on your level and you stuck up your arms and said, no, I'm fine. And what you did is you placed a DNR on the face of those that were coming to help you. My God, I feel them in here. Hallelujah. What are some DNRs? Bitterness, anger, jealousy, unforgiveness, doubt, and unbelief. But what does Jeremiah 29, 13 say? He said, you will seek me and you find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Let me answer some of y'all's questions. Put that scripture up for me, Jeremiah 29, 13. Let me answer some of y'all's questions for you. Some of y'all been saying, God, where are you? God, I can't find you. God, I feel like you're far from me. I propose to you today that he said, if you seek me and find me, you will seek me with all of your heart. Maybe the reason why we're not finding God is because we no longer have all of our heart to give. Maybe it's because in bitterness, 
We allowed the enemy to attack our heart and we broke a piece off. Maybe it's because of jealousy. We broke a piece of our heart off and we gave it away. And then we broke it off when we had some doubt when that person we prayed for didn't get healed. And then we broke off a, a, a part of, a, a, of, of just, just grudges and, and anger. And we broke it off and we gave it away to all those people. And now here we are left with only a piece of our heart. We're saying, God, where are you? And Jeremiah 29 tells me that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Do you know what forgiveness does? Forgiveness gets that part of your heart back. Do you know what? Do you know what believing again does? It gets a part of your heart back that you gave away in doubt. Do you know what forgiveness does and, and, and releasing people does? It gets back the pieces of your heart that you have given out so that you can come back to God with a full heart and say, all of my heart I seek you. And with all of my heart I found you. You are God and you are good. Proverbs 4 and 23 says above all else, guard your heart for every issue flows from it proverbs 3 5 and 6 says trust in the lord with all of your heart lean not in your own understanding but in all your ways submit to him and he will direct your path ephesians 3 16 says that i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love why do we ask Jesus to come into our heart no it's not something that the North American church created it's real because our hearts are a place that either anointing or issue flows from our hearts are either the place where we forgive or we hold grudges some of you smiling and you're taking pictures and your selfie looks real good, but your heart is rotten this morning. And God sent me here to deal with the heart of the matter so that you can get your hearts back and that you can serve God with all of your heart and that you can seek him with all of your heart. That no longer would bitterness, jealousy, anger, doubt, non-belief be in your heart, but your heart would be filled with faith, hope, and love. That your heart would be filled with, with the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room. Hallelujah. God, I've poured myself out before your people today. And now, God, I ask you to do what only you can do. God, to the person that's here today under the sound of my voice and their heart is hurting so bad. God, will you pull on it right now? If you feel the pull of the Holy Spirit, will you come to this altar right now? If God's dealing with you, you say, man, preacher, this message was for me. Come, come, thank you. Come, 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 thank you. Come, come. You're saying, I hear you, Lord. I hear you, Lord. I want all of my heart back. I want the CPR of the Holy Ghost. Christ's presence resuscitates. Breathe on us, oh God. Send the wind of your spirit into our lungs again. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I don't know about you, but I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it was all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about my enemies. It's not about my haters. It's not about people that done me wrong. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not what I went through. It's about who was with me when I went through it. Do you hear me?